Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, to another episode of the Daniel Teachers Experience. My name is Daniel, my friends. We have an extra special guest here today. We're joined by the one, Sarah. Sarah, how are you? Oh, thank you. Um, I'm really good, thank you. How are you? Absolutely sensational. That is fantastic to hear. I'm no. so glad. Yeah, I'm so glad that we're here too. I'm so glad that we have this energy and I'm so glad for you, my friend. Now, my friends, when we, when we say we have energy, it's one thing for me to say I have energy. It's two in the afternoon. But for my friend Sarah here, it's 6.30 in the morning. Now that takes guts. That takes dedication. Dedication I have to be on this podcast, honestly, it just shows that it's going to be a great day. Great exactly. morning. Day. Exactly. Exactly. And with that energy, my friends, this episode is going to be all about studying, productivity, tips for students, and why, you know, we think that a lot of these, um, these sleeping, excuse me, these uh, studying tips get slept on by a lot of professors and other people where you're just kind of supposed to figure it out on your own. Do you, are flashcards the best way to go for you? Are you a visual learner, auditory learner, and all that bunch of stuff? We have the wizard, Sarah herself. She's going to break down everything, answer all of our questions, and find meaning in our life all in an hour or less. Isn't that right, Sarah? That sounds absolutely amazing. Yeah, I'm just so happy to be able to share my two cents as well because like I, I've lived through it I've lived through the school experience I've lived through the uni experience and yeah I just felt like no one taught you enough about how to study it was more just like putting content down our, in our brains and it wasn't more it wasn't about you know the best way to put that content in our brains and how we should use it to you know do exams and um, do tests and stuff like that so yeah happy Beautiful. to be here Good, good. So Sarah, let's, let's start off, you know, so let's, let's take you back to school, right? Your university. And let's just um, share some stories about going through some different studying techniques. What worked for you early on? What did you find didn't work early on? And how you kind of got to where you are right now, giving people uh, productivity tips on TikTok with over 30,000 followers. Oh, <laughs> I honestly, I'm so grateful for that. I just didn't realize, I didn't expect how many people would actually be interested in this type of thing. Like I thought, I, you know, I'd hop on and give my two cents, but I wasn't expecting, you know, the support and for that specific topic in particular, because you think people go on TikTok to have fun, but yeah. So anyways, um, to answer the question, I, it was all literally trial and error for me. I tried everything like I, in school, it was mainly just the note taking, um, a bit of flashcards here and there because the teacher would um, instigate it. But, um, on our personal end, it was literally just looking at the textbook or looking at some notes and making notes out of that. And like, I mean, it worked. It wasn't like it didn't work, but it just took a lot more time to do the same sort of thing and a lot more effort to get the same results in the end. So then I got to uni and I didn't really know any different either. So I kept doing that same technique because that's what you think is the most correct. Just, you know, taking passive notes. Like that's just the default, I guess, study method. And then um, I just felt like it wasn't working that well. Like I was spending so much time just writing notes. And in uni, the content is so much more extensive than school. So they shoved down content down your throat, and which is fine. Like we're learning and studying and stuff like that. But it was just so much to handle, plus have a social life, plus, you know, do all extracurricular activities. So then um, that's when I started getting my, myself getting into that productivity type YouTube world. And that's when I started like listening to people and watching how they studied, like lots of med students um, online that were giving advice. So I was looking at that. And then I just started trying literally, literally everything. I tried annotating notes. I tried to um, just make flashcards. I tried to like take notes, then make flashcards. Everything, everything under the sun, I tried it. And I just came to the conclusion that it actually differs for each topic as well. And that's the thing, like when someone asked me for advice, 
Um, it depends on the topic. Like if it's a memorization based topic, flashcards and enjoy yourself and then you'll be fine. But with something that's more content heavy, they have to actually understand and apply that knowledge to something else. You're going to need like another technique as well as flashcards, you know, to memorize like the small things. But yeah, I just think um, everything has its own technique and it's on it. I think it's just a trial and error method for the person themselves. So I'm just like wanting to give everything that I have so that they can sort of make their own informed decisions on what the best thing to do for themselves. But yeah, that's, that's awesome. Sarah. That's awesome. That's three. Yeah. My two cents on that. But yeah, how, how do you study? Do you have any specific techniques that you, that you use? Well, at the moment, my friend, very much like yourself, I'm still bouncing around from method to method. What I have yeah. found out is rereading the textbook two or three times doesn't always do it for me. Like if I just keep rereading, it's just, it's endless. But I, I love flashcards. I'm a huge fan of that. Um, right now, uh, a friend of mine a few months ago gave me this tip, Brandon Turner, shout out to you. He was like, Daniel, if you can, turn your notes into questions. So like, let's say, you know, if you have a note that says, you know, uh, blah, 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 blah. Then you yeah. turn that into a question. What does blah, blah, blah mean? And then you answer that question. This way you can think a little bit more actively <laughs> rather than passively. But, but what are your, th your, your uh, thoughts on that? Um, oh yeah totally let's <laughs> stop it but um <laughs> yes I think like that's awesome and you know when you do the question it's like you're practicing for the exam and I think this is specific to um topics that have an exam at the end or have a test mm -hmm. yeah for sure when you're like wanting to practice how to retrieve that information from your brain instead of just putting it into your brain because that's what we have to like start practicing like that retrieval process but um yeah so that's even even that way with taking notes and the answering the questions, I have a friend that um, he does it on Notion. He does this whole thing on Notion where he'll, it's like a website that you can like kind of make your own, you can like customize it how you like and he'll make little subheadings that you can, um, it's like a drop down thing. Mm -hmm. So he'll have the question and then he'll have the answer, but then he'll hide the answer and then read the question. Mm, gotcha. That makes sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. That's a really cool way to do it. And it takes less time because you type it, but you're actually retrieving it. But then sometimes like I like personal, I like personally writing out things. Mm. So yeah, this depends, but I really like the Cornell method as well. I'm, I need to make a view about that, but it's the where you have like a column to the left. And then that's when you write the topic or a question. And then to the right is the answer. And that's where you hide when you like go oh, over and you hide the notes. So then you can just go through. So yeah. I think, yeah, it's just all about, you know, finding each individual person's preference and yeah. Well, what would you say, Sarah, is the most common question that you get about productivity or with respect to study? Oh, good question. I think it's more, um, I think it's a lot on how to study. I think that's the main question that I've been getting um, and more so tips on, I've actually been getting a lot of questions about like career paths and what I should do and why, like, how do I, what, how do I know what path I want to take if I don't have any idea? And I just feel like that question just has so many answers to it firstly, but it's all just, it, I've, I've just realized it all comes back down to your passion and what you're good at, what you, what you like. And if you just keep doing that, like I, for example, like I'm, I'm a perfect example of this. I started in year 12, sorry, year 12, like last year of high school. Mm -hmm. I was like, I have no idea what I want to do. So then I just sort of looked at my topics in year 12 because I just, every year I was like, okay, I'm just going to keep doing what I like, what I'm doing well at. And then that's how I sort of ended up picking my last topics. And then to get into uni, I was like, okay, well, nutrition was like my favorite topic and it was the one I did 
best at. So I continued that on to uni and I did a um, bachelor, I started in a bachelor of human nutrition. And then I was like, mm, I'm not really feeling fulfilled enough. So then I swapped because I wasn't enjoying it as much. So I swapped to something that I probably would have enjoyed more. And then that led me to medical science. And then even in the degree, you choose a lot of your topics. Like it's very flexible. So I just kept choosing everything that I was enjoying, like um, pharmacology, anatomy. I loved all that sort of stuff. So that kept me going, kept me going. And then I, now I'm here with, in a like specialty, I guess you could call it, in pharmacology. And like now, you know, the opportunities are so like broad now. I can sort of, not broad, but like I can, I've got lots more opportunities now that I've found passion for something and, you know. So you end up finding your way, like eventually is what I'm trying to tell people, that you don't have to have, oh, actually, this is an interesting, I want to hear your two cents on this. Um, the whole fact of not having like five and 10 year goals, but more having daily or like weekly goals instead. Cause I think that you lose, you don't lose, but you don't know what's going to happen in the future. So if you just take one, like if you have the daily goals and be like, okay, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, you end up getting to that five, 10 year goal. But instead of saying, I'm going to buy a car, you'll say, okay, I'm going to save up $500 a week. And then as a byproduct of that, you'll buy a car. If that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, yeah totally. On this. I, I love it, Sarah. I love the aspect. I think I've definitely heard arguments from both sides. On mm. one side, I've heard, oh, Daniel, you know, where are you going to be five years from now? And, and I get the idea, right? You want to know your destination. You want to have an yeah. idea. So you're not surprised. However, for a lot of people who don't know, which is very normal, I didn't know after year 12, after grade 12, that can be a little anxiety provoking. Like, I, I don't know. Like, should I know? I don't know where I'm going to be in 10 years. But I think if you can break that down, because I'm a huge believer in habits, right? If, if you can show me your habits, if you show me what you do on a regular basis, the people who you hang around, that's what five to 10 years is going to be made from, right? So I, I absolutely love it. I think if you want a physique, a, a great body, just looking at working out every day, right? Or doing something small every day, working on your business every day. I love that attitude of it's practical. It's right in front of you. And, and you're not just sitting with your own thoughts. You know what I mean? Yes. Hypothetically and this and that. And so I completely agree with you. Okay, that's awesome. Yeah, because um, I, I was the same and I've been trying to think about it from both ends. And it's like, okay, well, we've always been told to, you know, think about your future and what are you going to do in five, 10 years? Yeah, but I think it's just good to have like an, an idea, like a, just a general concept of what you, where you want to end up. But yeah, the, oh, so that means you've read Atomic Habits, I believe. Oh, actually, I have not. That, that's on the to-do list. That, that's on the to-do list. Yeah, Would you recommend it? It's such a good book. So good. So much practical stuff from it as oh, well. Yeah. Yeah, he gives that down. Nice. So yeah, go read Atomic Habits. It's really, really good. Cool. But yeah, so, yeah, and just the daily habits thing, I think is so important. Even with that comes back to studying as well, when you just having, just sitting down and studying every day, it doesn't have to be a lot. It doesn't have to be the most extensive study session, but if you just have a physical sit down session every day, and I feel like that helps you, you know, create a routine. And I feel like that helps a lot with time management because then, you know, you're not sitting down every time you need to do something. You're sitting down every time and then just sort of slowly chipping away at what you have to do. So, yeah, I think that just the habits thing comes across or can be applied to anywhere, any aspect sure. is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So, Sarah, when people think about studying, what do you think comes to mind? I think they think it's upset, not upsetting, stressful and like boring and all the negative words I'm trying to think of. But I just think, yeah, it's, it, 
if you enjoy, if you genuinely enjoy what you're learning and what you're studying, I think it can be so fun. Like myself as a perfect example, again, with the nutrition, I was like, this is boring. I'm not having fun. And then I went to medical science and I was having the time of my life. I was learning so much about the body. Like obviously at, the, at points, there's going to be stressful times and there's going to be due dates. There's going to be deadlines. That's, you know, that's what's uni and that's what has to train you for life, I guess. But um, just the general like idea of it, it's just, I think if you find passion for something, you should really enjoy what you're studying. And I think that also helps with you doing like academically better in that topic as well. But yeah. Awesome. Really well said, my friend. Really well said. I think, you know, unfortunately when people hear studying, they always think of like back to middle school or high school when they're like, oh man, like I don't like studying. They associate it with cramming and, and reading something that they don't like and just memorizing it. But if, you know, you go up to someone who loves acting and you say, hey man, you're going to study acting. Right. You come to me and you say, Daniel, you're going to study mental health. Well, now I'm super excited. Right. Mm -hmm. So you can totally like, why wouldn't you want to learn and grow and gain more knowledge so that you can share that knowledge with other people? So I think it's, it's a really good idea if you can spin that uh, that mindset part of it. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, I think I totally agree with the mindset as well. Like it, you may if you just sort of switch it and then it's just all perspective. I think I think Jay Shetty did a really interesting podcast on learning. And, you know, he said something about if you if you're if you don't learn then your it actually affects your health as well something like that i don't want to quote it just in case i get it wrong but yeah it just like affects so much of our life and if we're just constantly building our knowledge and you know you just get so much so many different perspectives on life so many different lessons and yeah you can just add it to every day so yeah i think that's i think studying should be put in a better light but i i agree i think it all stems from high school and you know the earlier ages where it's kind of I don't know, I don't think the experience is as pleasant for people, especially when um, children that age are so creative and they, they have all these things that they want to do or, you know, they want to do this art, they're like the graphic design, who, who knows? But then it's more so they just have to be like crammed into like the math science, you know, that basic stuff. But even like researching skincare or makeup or, you know, whatever, that's still learning and I think, People get people mistake learning and studying for you know, science, maths instead of yeah, all that other stuff. Totally, Sarah. One thing that I absolutely loved. So sorry to interrupt you. No. A, a gem that you dropped maybe four or five minutes ago was you were like, oh, Daniel, like people reach out to me and they're like, hey, like what should I do? You know, what should I major in? And I loved that that you were like, hey, like like you have to find your own passion. Right. Just because, you know, you love, let's say, makeup doesn't mean that that other person is going to love makeup. Right. Or if I tell you, hey, man, you know, going into, let's say, public speaking might be a great idea. Well, what if you have stage fright? It's not a great idea for you. Right. So I just think it's so important. And I, and I love that you really emphasize the individual differences as, you know, I can give you tips. I can guide you. But at the end of the day, you really have to look at, you know, what do you what are you passionate about? What are you good at? What do you enjoy doing? And naturally, that's going to differ from person to person. That's so true. And I just think. I also think like income now is a huge aspect of career choices, but mm. I just, that if you just find passion for something, it really, really shows in an energy that you give to other people when you're doing that work. For example, um, if someone, for example, let's say makeup, someone, me, I'm not hugely passionate about makeup. So I probably wouldn't excel in that field. I don't think I have the passion. Like I enjoy it. I like it, but I just don't have that, you know, internal fire that, you know, loves this makeup sensation thing. But for someone else, 
possibly if they study makeup and find passion in it and they will do so well because you know the clients will feel like they want them to be there like they are putting 100% energy it, it ends up not feeling like studying it ends up just feeling like life it just doesn't feel like you're separating you know for example with uni like now I kind of associate it with my life not not to say that uni is my life but it's not like I'm going to uni to study and now I'm coming home and I'm not going to study and learn. Like it, life is always learning. It just depends on whether you're learning about science, whether you're learning about mental health or yeah. Totally. Now, now imagine someone with that sort of perspective where one person says, Oh, I have to study. Whereas another person who loves makeup says, I'm going to have fun. And yes. when you're talking about who can do it for longer, well, the person who loves it can obviously put in more hours. Yeah, exactly. And, and it just, Exactly. And the hours thing is spot on, I think, because you end up going above and beyond what you have to do. And people see that and, you know, and it sometimes comes across that you didn't even realize that you're putting in the extra effort because you love it so much and you just, you know, want to be there but, or you want to do what you're doing. So I just think someone, I, I read something the other day that people don't remember what you say or what you hear. They remember how they made you feel. So I just feel like that passion will always come across in energy in some form Sounds really spiritual, but I just think, you know, you can feel someone's energy and that lasts longer than anything someone says or makes up and has to remember to say and says it. It's more like the energy of wanting them to be there. I totally believe you. I, I totally agree with you too. You see someone, they're doing their passion, they act differently, they're themselves, they're energetic, they, they're so free and people look at them and you're going, man, like, I, where's my passion? Exactly. Oh my goodness. I totally agree. And then that's where that sort of stems in. But if any, everyone just follows their path and income and I feel like money will come. I mean, depending on career, obviously sometimes you might have to work harder for that or less, but I just think that, yeah, opportunity will come with passion and opportunity, I guess, can you can monetize off that as well. But yeah, totally. if that's what your main concern is for success, but there's obviously other, you know, what would you call it? Criteria for success, but yeah. Of course. Now, Sarah, just going back to that productivity aspect, a very mm -hmm. interesting perspective that I heard from a Gary Vaynerchuk was said, hey, listen, if you are not putting in all of your effort into a subject, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're lazy. But what does that tell you about how passionate you are about what you're doing? Maybe if you get a low grade in a class, you know, but you're an extremely hard worker when it comes to your dance classes and it comes to, you know, working on your art projects, but for whatever reason, you don't do too well in one class. What does that tell you about how passionate you are about what you're doing right now? Maybe it's a good sign. Maybe it's a reflection of, hey man, you're in the wrong field. Possibly, possibly. Mm -hmm. But yeah. what do you think about that? Yeah, that's such a good uh, point. And oh my God, I love Gary Vee. He is, he says the most amazing things oh, that i like carried on for life like it just sits in my it sits same in my boat, mind my friend, same boat. <laughs> yeah no but i just think with that whole passion thing like you you won't even have to try to put in the effort it will just become so easy that especially when you're um for example i really enjoyed math so i was so this sounds really weird i was really excited to come home and do my math homework all the time but for example maybe science or something chemistry i wasn't that passionate about and I was like put that to the side yeah for sure um and that also shows and I think that's such a good point to make that it's not about you know it, it shows your passion in as a byproduct of you know your efforts into that certain thing yeah totally agree oh, love Gary good. <laughs> good oh me too my friend me too no productivity like no tomorrow
So Sarah, if someone is uh, listening to this podcast and is like, oh God, Sarah, I have an exam coming up in a couple of days. How, how early is too early to start prepping and how should I prep? And, and we can use like, uh, you know, example subjects, like if it's math as opposed to, yeah. you know, something memorizing, what would you say? Yeah. So I feel like, I think always a good starting point is about not to study from a month, but kind of understand your exam topics a month before. This doesn't have to be you sitting down studying, but just to have a general idea of what you're going to be putting yourself into in a few weeks, possibly. And I think it all comes kind of down to time management as well. I'm sort of talking more about now, like reducing stress when it comes to that exam mm. period. But for the actual, because I think that also helps with productivity at the time and memorization. But um, for actual applying your knowledge to the exam, we'll say for maths, I guess maths is huge just for practicing questions. There is no kind of memorization involved unless you have to do the, uh, memorize a formula, pardon me, memorize a formula or stuff like that but when it comes down to the actual questions you have to just practice 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 and that's where you can get hold of you know practice exams or questions online even if you just message or email your teacher they're always so happy to help with that thing or they can even point you in the right direction um, to get you know the questions that you need with something like um, science or something with more concept-based stuff with memorization I would say I think that note-taking method that you mentioned earlier with the, if you're taking notes, just make questions from them. Mm. Or usually the subject will have learning outcomes that come with them. And that is sort of the expectation of what the teacher needs of you to, for the topic, if that makes sense. So even from those, you can make questions and then formulate your notes to surround those because usually those learning outcomes are taking components from each part of the topic and then combining them to apply that knowledge into a question. So if you already do that beforehand and put all that information together to answer like a broader question, then I think that's such a good way to answer those science specific topics. Cause usually, yeah, they take lots of bits from everywhere and put it together and ask you a question. And um, so that's one thing. And then I would say also the flashcards. Anki is just awesome for that with space repetition, just, um, you know, you make the flashcard and then you can revise it after a few days or depending on how hard you found that particular flashcard, you can revise it and revise it and revise it. And that's how memorization works, right? You just have to keep sort of going at it. But with Anki, it's good. It separates the flashcards that you found easy from the flashcards you found hard. So you're not wasting your time memorizing the easy ones that you already know. Mm. You're kind of memorizing what you don't know. And I think that also really, really helps because sometimes I feel like when we study, we're going from start to bottom, right? And usually the start is kind of the easier introductory sure. type stuff. When you get to like the middle or the end, it's more the harder stuff and then you've lost energy. You you don't want to study anymore. You're kind of sick of it. And yeah, so I think with Anki, you can sort of rearrange how that sort of works. You go from sort of hard to easy. Mm. Or, now, how, or how do you spell that, Sarah? Sorry to interrupt. How, how do you spell that, Anki? A-N-K-I. A-N-K-I. Beautiful. Awesome. Sorry about that. Please continue. Yeah, no, it's okay. It's, um, it's a desktop app for free. However, it is paid, I think, on a phone. Um, but I, I've been recommending people use Quizlet or something like that for mm. the phone. Because it's annoying because, you know, you're always on your phone. It's good to, it'd be good to, like, just memorize while you're out and about and stuff like that. But, yeah, that one is paid. But, yeah, I just think Anki was, is, like, life-changing for me personally. I know a friend that he... 
uh, used Anki a few days before the a neurology exam, like a huge exam. And he ended up doing really well because he literally just used, used wow. Anki. He looked at, he made all the flashcards in a, a night and then he just went through them and just did all the hard ones that he found. And the ones that he knew, he, the ones he knew, he just skipped over. And then that just reduced the time and maximised the actual effort, like the efficacy, how, how do I say that? Yeah, the actual. I, I get what you mean. I get what you yeah, mean. Yeah, totally. but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no worries, no worries. Um, good, good, good. Awesome. Thank you. Essay. Also, I would just want add one thing about like essay-based um, exams. That one I have not too much experience in, so I can't really say too much about it. But I've heard mind maps help really well with mm. you know, essay-type topics, and you know, thinking about how the topics come together and stuff like that. So yeah, totally. and I guess it depends on what type of learning you are. I think visual, Anki's really good with visual because you can add in photographs really quickly and just hide mm. certain aspects of it. So then you can like memorize, like if it's a label or something pointing, you can just memorize that. So it's yeah, Anki's amazing. Are you a visual learner, Sarah? Yes, I think I am. I think I'm mostly visual. I do think I'm a bit of an auditory as well because mm. I do like audiobooks and podcasts and I think that usually resonates with me a lot and I'm remember most things but yeah when it comes to like exam settings when I have to retrieve information I'm usually like thinking back to that page or that picture or that mm -hmm. yeah yeah what about you what's yeah. it I'm more a visual myself yeah so I prefer to like if I was thinking of like if I have to be blindfolded and someone tells me what to do as opposed to no one says a word but they just show me it physically I feel like I would do better if I was watching oh, it totally agree totally agree and I think that helped that's kind of more of a you know workplace type thing as well you know if someone's an, a visual learner then instead of you know telling them you do this then this then this then this and this just you know have them shadow you for a day and show them this is what you do because i totally agree that helps so much more and you can and then when you go back into that footsteps you can remember okay they did this they did this totally just just yeah. to add my two cents onto that sarah uh, many people don't know this i actually work as a swimming instructor and one of the things that we yeah yes yeah, it's, it's super cool uh, we get you know told about obviously different kinds of learning and what i didn't realize is for the when i first started i was super big on explaining so i would explain everything so it's great for people who are auditory learners the bad thing is when you have kids who are seven eight nine years old the attention span is very very short so what happened was this one kid would just never get it three of them would one of them would i was like what's up with this kid until one lesson i was like hey buddy watch me did the thing your turn four words and he did it perfectly i was like holy smokes it wasn't the kid it was me he's just a visual learner oh my that is such a good story to tell oh my, and that's really cool that you're a swimming instructor that's awesome thank you thank you very much I wish I could <laughs> sink. <laughs> um, oh, man. But yeah i just think in schools especially i think maybe more now so than ever they've been incorporating this type of you know stuff with visuals for sure. and for sure, stories for sure. but and that's the annoying thing I find as well. It's, it's upsetting that some kids feel like, because that kid might've felt that, like, why am I not getting it? Like, what's wrong totally. with me? And I think that hurt, like, hurt, really hurts people's, like, probably not to that extent for your specific example, but sometimes if it's happening over and over and over again at school, then you end up feeling like you have really bad self-esteem issues because you're like, oh, okay, all my friends are getting it. Why am I not getting it? Like, mm -hmm. this is something for me. But it's honestly just the fact, like you said, exactly, just the different types of learning styles and how, you know, someone might get it like this and so on. But then I guess it's hard, like, how do you teach a bunch of, uh, like, a whole class of students with different learning styles? And I guess that's where you have to 
really try and use different techniques and yeah, yeah it's hard you have to it's, it's just good to keep in mind i think more than anything of course, of course. just be aware right yeah yeah i think that helps a lot hmm. sarah my friend what have we not touched on what's what, what's still on your mind what, what, what do we still have to get to um i think that i want to i think i want to talk about like self-esteem because i think self-esteem awesome. stems so many issues Go for like it. i think it's just like a burner and if you don't have your good self-esteem i think that just stems into you know not find not wanting to find passion or something and not wanting to do something and you know i just think if we it's the base of it's the foundation of so many vital things in life and i think that self-esteem sort of <laughs> you can count how many times i'm going to say self-esteem now <laughs> <laughs> but like even i've noticed with expectations that need to be met by parents maybe or other thing or like even with schools like if they don't meet those certain expectations they don't feel as good as them as good as they should feel but in certain in maybe other circumstances that they might excel in things that you know that aren't assessed on in school for example I, with the whole creativity side and art like sometimes people could do so well in that field but in school they're kind of restricted in that that's their best topic but it's not really highly regarded as a topic and then that's when you know self-esteem crushes come in and they're like oh well you know i'm not doing as well in these science topics like this is what i want to do and then everyone's like oh like you know you have to really think about it and and i think this all comes back down to mental health as well like i it, it's so important to look after that and you know have find purpose in yourself and your being on this earth and then if you have a purpose you feel like okay, yes, I'm here for a reason. I have a mission. And you don't have to be clear on that mission, but you just have to know that, yes, you have purpose in this life. And then, you know, just knowing that you have worth and someone, you know, that you have worth and someone talking to you or someone is like a blessing for anyone, you know, involved. So I just think that really sets your, I just think nowadays, you know, the mental health, issue is really really strong obviously in our smaller generation small in our younger generations and i think that you know more needs to be done to sort of help just that whole self because yeah i just think it stems but whether that be meditation or you know i think exercise helps that so much i mean i think these are all things that we all know and you know understand but and appreciate but i think putting them into practice there's not as many like practical tips to tell you sort of how to do that like lots of things of saying, okay, you have to study, you have to exercise, you have to do this, but it's the steps in between as to how and what the best way to do it, I think is kind of not touched on as much, but yeah, I think, I think we're going, like we're moving in the right direction, but yeah, I think if there are any issues involved in someone's life, I think it, not always, but mostly can come back down to self-esteem. And I think with passion that also stems from that as well. And, yeah, so many things, purpose and self-esteem. So yeah, that's like my little two cents run on that. I just think I'm really passionate about it because I see so many of my friends or people I know that they they are so intelligent, so smart. It's not the fact that they're not smart or anything like that. They just don't have the purpose, they don't feel purposeful enough or they don't have a drive or the self-esteem to go pursue those things. 
that. I love that, Sarah. I, I never thought about that link until now, until you put it out. Because like my biggest thing is like finding purpose, right? Like everything that I do, I call it like the journey to self-awareness. You're trying to figure out who you are, what your passion is. But you know, the way that you worded it makes so much sense. If you have a self-esteem, which is down in the dumps, I'm not expecting you to be fully motivated waking up at six in the morning and going after it. Like you have to have, like your, your self-esteem has to be in the right place. And going back to what you said earlier, if you're someone who connects your self-esteem, your worth, and unfortunately it sucks, I do know people who do this. And it's, it's hard because you find yourself doing it subconsciously is you connect your self-esteem and your worth to your grades. And all of a sudden when you, when you fail a test, it's like you just took a bullet and, and you don't see that you got a 99% in art because it's not as practical. It's not as valued in society as a science or as a math. Mm -hmm. Totally, totally agree. And it, it's really upsetting because, you know, I feel like there's so many intelligent minds, I mean, I, and I guess everyone is intelligent in their own way. Like there's mm -hmm. no smart person, there's no, I don't even want to say the word, but like there's no sort of, there's no two types of people in this world. Everyone is smart. And I think that's where lots of people get mistaken and people say, okay, I didn't get 100% in my math test. I'm not smart. Like, yes, you are smart, but possibly not in maths like that maybe math isn't your thing and that's totally okay you've got however many other topics to you know handle and excel in as well so yeah i think unfortunately you know that whole self-esteem thing probably starts in school and where you're not getting the grades that you know are good which define you as smart or not and then yeah like even i found so many people are not like not as smart in I'm doing this in quotation marks. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. In, uh, like school, but then when they come out of school and they're like these entrepreneurs and they're like marketing geniuses and they know how to run a business, but you just don't get taught that in school. Totally. I guess in a thousand percent. You can learn that, but yeah, I just think emphasizing the fact that everyone is intelligent in their own way just helps so much. And it's not the fact that you're not intelligent. It's just how you use that intelligence. On. I think that's so important. I think like in terms of like, just like then your productivity, right? Then how you want to learn. Cause if you're, you know, everything starts off from your self-esteem as yourself said, right? Then you get that motivation. Then you can look at productivity, what works for you. Then you won't compare yourself to your friend who's getting 95% in calculus. Yeah, totally. I think comparing, I mean, I think this has been sort of talked about to death, but like comparing is just evil. Like you, you can't really compare, <laughs> you can't compare yourself to anyone. Like everyone has their own path and, you might have similar paths, yes, but there's so much that differs you between you and that person. You're not the same person. You both can offer different things. And yeah, I think that, I mean, it's, it's very, it's, I think that's one of the things that is very easy to say, but very hard to actually put into practice. And I think the steps to take, the steps to kind of improve that area is something that I'm still working on particularly as well. Like I'm really trying to find how, I can compare my, I can't compare myself to others and just, you know, focus on what I'm doing. But yeah, it, it, I think it's one of the hardest topics to kind of understand and like give advice on. Cause yeah, that's what I'm trying to figure out too. So yeah. I would say even so that, I, and I completely feel you, I'm in the same boat. I always try to compare myself to myself as opposed to someone else, but it happens. It happens when you're on Instagram, when you're comparing your Friday nights, when you're comparing your relationships, comparing your financial stability. I totally get it. I would argue that what we're talking about goes back to self-esteem, that the better your self-esteem is, the less you can get pulled down by seeing other people doing well for themselves. In my two cents, well, what do you think about oh, that? Totally, totally agree. And I think the fact that when you have the self-esteem to 
you know, truly and from your bottom of your heart, congratulate someone or on their successes or whatever. I think that just shows so much in your self-esteem and your worth and your passion. You're like, okay, yes, you are doing amazing. And this is what I, like, I have my own successes that I know I'm going to achieve or hopefully I achieve. And, you know, we're, we can both, there's room for success for everyone. It's not this one person that has to have success. And I think that's where people get caught up where, you know, they see someone else being successful. It's like, oh, why can't I do that? But yes, you can do that. Like there's so much room for everyone. So yeah, I think that's, I, I totally agree with that. The fact that, you know, comparing and, you know, congratulating and stems, it all comes back down to self-esteem. So I think, yeah, there needs to be more tips to sort of, or like practical things on how to actually improve that self-esteem to begin with. Let's do it, Sarah. Let's give it to them to, to tie the knot up on this beautiful basket. What, how, how can someone increase their self-esteem? I think that the main thing, from what I've experienced and what others have told me, I think exercise helps a lot. Like that's just the one thing I think that stems so many like when you exercise, you're feeling good about yourself. You're doing something that helps yourself only. And, you know, it, it also the chemicals that actually get released as well. That's like a whole nother story, but just the physical act of going and helping yourself. And I think even the self care thing, and, you know, sometimes I think even being very self disciplined, I think I've seen, I've experienced the when I, I feel like I'm disciplining myself, not like, you know, with a whip, but like, <laughs> like doing things that are sort of helping me and not, for example, if when I'm doing my work, if I say, okay, I'm going to get my work done. And if I don't get my work done, I'm not going to go on YouTube tonight. Mm. Then, so you got that motivation, but also if I don't get it done, I'm actually not going to go on YouTube that night. And I think that helps my self-esteem as well. The fact that, you know, I'm able to control my actions and, you know, that's what I've found personally. When I'm saying it out loud, it doesn't sound like it would help, but yeah, that's just my experience. That when no, I no, it's, it's awesome. discipline, it helps me boost my self-esteem and the fact that I have worth and I can, I'm in control of my life, I guess. But yeah, I think actually, I think it kind of stems back to controlling your life now that I'm saying it, being in control. Like people say that with exercise, that's like one of the one things that they control in life. You know, they can control how much they go in exercise. They can control muscle gain or weight loss or stuff like that. But, and now I'm thinking with the self-discipline thing, I'm just like tying them literally right now. But yeah, so yeah, there's so many things to say about that. That's like my experience and what my friends and people I've surrounded myself with. Exercise is always a good one. Cause you, like you said yourself, it's in your hands. It's something that you can control. That's yeah, good. exactly. Totally agree. And not to mention then you look better then you feel better, right? I mean, there's just, uh, there's huge, right? Sciences and studies that prove that yes, actually, you know, exercise does do huge things for your self-esteem. And uh, it's definitely, I think exercise is an awesome one. Cause again, I think, unfortunately, there's a lot of people who I know who worry about things that aren't in their control. Like let's yeah. say the height, or let's say things that require plastic surgery or things that are literally like not in your hands in that aspect. So I think exercise is an amazing one. And I honestly think just accomplishing a goal will do wonders for you, setting up goals and accomplishing them, no matter the, the severity of the goal. That's such a good point. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Even if it's like a small one, I think, yeah, that's what, yeah, no, that's, that's a really, really good point actually. Like just even waking up this time of day, tick it off, you know, have yeah. like that little tick box. I think that does wonders. Oh, I totally agree. That's a really good point. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Hey, thank you seriously for letting me 
be here and sharing my knowledge and sharing my two cents. I honestly appreciate it. Of course, of course. Now, Sarah, to be honest with you, I could talk with you, my friend, for hours, five, six, seven, eight hours, <laughs> but I don't want to keep you. <laughs> so, uh, Sarah, my friend, is there any, any last bits, any, any last things that we want to leave the listeners off with? Well, what is the last I, thing that we can say? I honestly think we've covered lots of things that I'm really passionate about, but I think the main thing, the take-home message that I want to come across to everyone or for what everyone listening to here is the fact that you are intelligent, you are smart, it's just you finding that pathway or career that will you know elevate that intelligence or recognize that intelligence so it's not the fact that you're not it's just you trying to find something that you know will recognize that love it sarah yeah. love it sarah my friend where can the wonderful listeners find you on social media what, what are your handles also i i have my tiktok that's like my main posting you know my main social media so that's just literally sarah badawi so s-a-r-a-h B-A-D-A-O-U-I, lots of vowels, I know. And then the same thing on Instagram, but just so Sarah underscore Badawi. And yeah, that's pretty much that's pretty much it for now. But yeah, thank you so much. Fantastic. Thank you so much for being here, Sarah. I really appreciated it. So 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 much for all your time, honestly. I really appreciate it. Of course. Listeners, I hope you enjoyed. This has been another episode of the Daniel Teachers Experience. Have an absolutely sensational day. This is goodbye from Daniel and from Sarah. See ya. <laughs> Bye-bye.